Good morning, church, and happy Easter. Um, wherever you may be watching this from, uh, wherever you may be, happy Easter to you. I am here in our, in our new sanctuary, as you can maybe tell from our surroundings. And in front of me, I have a bunch of empty chairs. But you know what? I can imagine all of you folks sitting out here. Um, and I don't know if, if we're going to have the same seating arrangement in this new building that we did in the old building. Um, but I imagine that we might because we're creatures of habit and we tend to gravitate towards areas that we're comfortable. And so as I go around the room, I can see back here, I can see the Barbergs and, and the Linders and the Reens, uh, Tom and Carrie and Josh and Miranda. I can see you guys and Alan, Karen, um, and I can go all the way back. There's the Nelsons and the Burquists, um, Jerry and Nancy. And in the back row, who's got the back row today? It looks like the Algrens do. Uh, Whitakers are in the second row, and Polios, I see you, and the Kyle Nyquist family, and all the way up, uh, Tom and Gail, and Ken and Karen, uh, Larry and Burnell, and Swensons, and Smocks, and Kohlers, and Paul Dietrich, I can see you, I can see Janet, uh, I can see Chuck Nelson over here, and I would want nothing more, guys, than to be able to stand up here this morning and say, he has risen, and to hear all of you... Uh, Proclaim back to me, he is risen indeed. So, since we can't do that this morning, maybe you want to take a minute, and wherever you're at, if, if you're in a group or in a family setting, uh, just pause, pause the recording, and, and maybe you want to say that a couple times amongst yourselves. <sighs> Folks, we are in uncharted water, aren't we? in our country, in our world, um, in the situation we find ourselves in with the coronavirus. And as a church, it's hard to know how to navigate these waters. There have been many discussions, many emails and texts and phone calls going on behind the scenes, trying to figure out how do we do this, how do we do that. And, and to be honest, we don't know exactly how to do things. We're just, we're trying. And especially when it comes to this morning, because as a church, this is our Sunday. And this is the time where we want to come together and, and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And we want to do it together. Um, and, and this morning, we find ourselves in this situation. But rest assured, I know in a short time, we are going to be together again and we're going to be celebrating Easter's for years to come, um, and we have all that to look forward to. This building is going to be filled with praise and worship. We're going to have laughter in this place. We're going to be fellowshipping together. Um, we're going to be praying together. Uh, Pastor Dean is going to be sharing messages right here. Um, we're going to hear babies crying. We're going to have kids running between our legs, and it's going to be an awesome time. And, and uh, we have that to... Um, to look forward to and uh, with great anticipation. This morning, we have to celebrate Easter um, in our homes with our families. And, and I hope that, that you guys can, can enjoy that time and still have a great celebration amongst yourselves. We have put together this video. Um, in this video, you will have a chance to worship and, and to pray and uh, Pastor Dean will be sharing his message with us. So we encourage you to watch it all the way through. I think there's even some interactive time uh, for kids within this video, so stay tuned for that. Um, and remember that even though how we worship today is different than how we've celebrated other Easter's, what hasn't changed is the message that you're about to hear in this short video clip.
so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Highland family. I'm Tim Gosseler. I'm one of the elders here. And um, I want to bring some prayer requests to you and, and pray together with you this morning. I just want to share a couple of things first. Um, this video taping has been interesting. We've all learned a lot. Um, for me right now, it is Wednesday night. Sunset is approaching. I have friends who are Jewish who are preparing to celebrate Passover tonight. I am on this side of the resurrection, but I realize you're not going to see this until the other side. Um, knowing that that certainty happened, it's interesting to be thinking about um, what, what it must be like to continually be living on this side of the resurrection, not knowing of the great price that was paid and the amazing completion of God's plan in the resurrection of Jesus. 
and the completion of all his work. I marvel at how God had planned and brought his people to Jerusalem for thousands of years rehearsing this event, brought all of the, the uh, Jewish people to Jerusalem to witness all of this that had been planned from before time began. What an amazing God we serve. And praise God for the resurrection. Uh, would you join me in a, a prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. And, and that is, uh, it's inadequate to describe the indebtedness that we have for what you have done. Thank you for your great sacrifice for completing your promise to be able to pay the way for us. We just give you praise for the resurrection, the promise of the resurrection that, that we can live each day in the light of that glorious morning, the resurrection. Father, we lift up to you this morning those who are sick among us, those who are recovering from surgery and from illness. Father, we pray for the families of those that are grieving, those that have um, gone on to be with the Lord. We especially remember the family of Mary Swedberg again and um, celebrate her life and, uh, and just extend our, um, our grief to the family at this time. Father, we ask for your protection. We are completely dependent on you. And this time, more than ever, we realize that we've never really been in control. We have always been dependent on you. Now we just realize it that much more, that all the things that we held close to, all those things that we depended on to keep our life running smoothly, when those are upset, we notice immediately how little control we really have. And Father, that is the way we truly are. It is all of you and none of us. And we can rest in your strength and your power, in your glory and in your resurrection this morning. To God be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. He is risen. Well, I have to say that response was rather tepid. So I'm going to give you one more time. He is risen. Larry, would you respond? He is risen. Amen and amen. Well, happy Easter to all of you. It is Resurrection Day. Now, Easter 2020 is one of the rare occasions in the last 2,000 years in which there have been pockets of believers that have not had the privilege or the opportunity of coming together to celebrate this great, great day. It is important for us to remember that while we are separated we are not isolated. There's a big difference. The scriptures tell us that the Spirit of God lives in every single follower of Jesus Christ. And as a result of this one Spirit living in so many people, there is a connection that we have by virtue of being connected to Him. Therefore, we are connected to one another. Now, in addition to that great truth, of course, we do have the technology that we're able to uh, enjoy uh, today. Uh, I have a friend in Florida, and we were doing some texting this past week, and tongue-in-cheek, he made a very interesting statement. It was, a, it was a funny statement. He said, Dean, just think what would have been possible if Christ could have live-streamed. Well, we are meeting in a different context than what we would normally do, but it is Easter and we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. Now, as we have children who are sitting with moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and watching this, kids, I want you to go get a piece of paper and a pencil. 
And as you get that, I want you to do something that during this message that uh, I think will be helpful to you and to your moms and dads. What I want you to do is that I want you to write on your piece of paper the word day. And the second word is the word resurrection. Or you can just use the letter R. What I want you to do in these next uh, 25 minutes or so, I want you to record each time I say the word day or resurrection. You keep count and then you tell mom and dad, grandpa and grandma after the sermon how many times I said those two words. Well, I received my North Dakota driver's license at the young age of 14. It's one of the privileges of being uh, raised in an agricultural state. For those of you who have been to North Dakota, particularly the eastern part of the state, you know that the terrain, uh, the geography, tends to be on the flat side. And because uh, it is so flat, when I begin to drive, I never needed to learn the importance or the significance of the parking brake. So uh, it wasn't until uh, I was in my late 20s that I had an experience uh, on the hills and the streets of San Francisco that caused me to understand the importance, the significance of uh, a parking brake. I was pastoring in uh, San Jose, California, and uh, my family came to visit me one time and so when they came to visit we would get in the car and we would take a, a driving trip of the Bay Area and we would always go through the city of San Francisco. And of course if you've been to San Francisco you know that the terrain there is much different than that of eastern North Dakota. So we were taking my parents, sitting in the back seat of the car, Trudy in the front with me, and so we had a, a, a son, and we turn on a street in Chinatown. And I begin to go down this very steep street in Chinatown, and I realized that ahead of me there was a truck that had stopped in the middle of the street. He was making deliveries. I could not back up and I could not go forward. I was stuck. And so I realized that it's probably going to be a little bit of time. Uh, so uh, I uh, put the car into park and I turned off the engine and I eased off the brake. And as I eased off the brake, the car inched forward just a little bit until the transmission gears connected. Didn't think a thing of it. Well, after some time, uh, the uh, truck uh, you know, he had finished his delivery and he took off. And so I started the car and I tried to put it in gear. And I could not get the transmission out of park. And I realized then that the gears, there was much pressure on the gears, that it would not shift. And so that meant there was only one thing to do, and that was to get out of the car, go to the front, and to rock it to release the pressure off the uh, transmission. And so my mother and my father and I got out in the front. Trudy got into the driver's seat. We have my, grand, my son who is in a car seat in the back and we begin to rock the car back and forth. And so I told Trudy that as we were rocking it, she should try to get out of park. And then as soon as she got out of park and put it in neutral, that she needed to hit the brakes really quickly so she would not roll over her in-laws or her husband, who she probably wanted to drive over at that moment in time. Now, I tell you that story because I had literally been driving probably for, for 20 years almost. And that was the first day I had ever seen the significance, the importance of the parking brake on an automobile. Likewise, I think there's a truth in that story that relates to Easter. I believe that most people do not see the significance, the impact, the importance of Easter until they find themselves to be stuck, experiencing something of a crisis. And then the message of Easter becomes incredibly significant. 
So today we're going to study the significance of Easter. It's a great day. It's a Christian's very best day. So let's talk about Easter. First of all, Easter is a real day in history. In fact, there's a lot of significant data in the Gospels that record the presence of the Roman authorities. And as a result of that, of knowing the existence of the Roman authorities in Jerusalem, it helps us to get a context for the possible date of the resurrection. And so it seems though that there are two significant dates that stand out when you begin to look at the data. First of all, uh, uh, people have projected that it was April the 9th in 30 AD. The other significant date is April the 5th, 33 AD. Now you hear those two dates and you say there's a lot of disparity between those two dates. Well, that disparity relates to some confusion over the length of Christ's ministry, his public ministry. How long was that? We think three plus years. So we have some disparity there. We cannot say with certainty how long it was. But in addition to that, there is the lunar calendar that determined the times and the dates of the Jewish holidays. So it could be either one of those toots and while uh, those dates, while there's some debate over which uh, date it was, there is absolutely no doubt that it was a real day in history. The evidence for Christ's death and resurrection is substantive. Here's what we know. Roman soldiers crucified Jesus. And because of that, Roman soldiers knew when a man was dead. They were the ones who had perfected this brutal act of crucifixion. So they knew when a man hanging on the cross was dead. To say that Jesus really didn't die on the cross that day is an insult to soldiers everywhere and an insult to the Roman Empire. We also know this. Jesus was buried according to Jewish custom and ritual. That meant that the body of Jesus was wrapped in over 60 feet of linens with aromatic spices tucked into the folds of that linen. People who have been crucified do not resuscitate themselves in the coolness of a tomb and then extract their mummified bodies from those burial linens. We also know this. There were multiple appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. Over the span of 40 days, he appeared numerous times to his disciples. He ate food with them. He encouraged them to place their fingers in his wounds. We're told on one occasion he appeared to over 500 people at one time. Truly, the resurrection of Jesus is not a myth or a legend. There is documentation to prove that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. Simon Greenleaf was a long-term professor uh, at Harvard Law School. He wrote a three-volume legal masterpiece titled A Treatise on the Law of Evidence. It's considered to be, and I quote, the greatest single authority in the entire literature of legal procedure. One day as he was teaching uh, at the school, um, he made a statement that agitated several students. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. He thought it was a myth or a legend. And so he stated that in the class. Well, after the class was over that day, three students went up to him and they encouraged him to look at the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. They continued to prod him. And finally, after a significant amount of time, Greenleaf decided that, yes, he would investigate the evidence surrounding the 
resurrection of Jesus. He went at it assuming that the evidence would prove that Jesus indeed did not rise from the dead. So he took the laws that he had created and he applied them now to the evidence concerning the resurrection of Jesus. And as he began that study, he began to realize that there was a significant amount of data and evidence that supported the the Christian view that Jesus indeed had been raised from the dead. His skepticism was being challenged as he took his great legal mind and looked at the evidence. After a significant amount of time, Greenleaf came to a conclusion. He reversed his position and he said that the best explanation for the events that took place immediately after the crucifixion of Jesus was this. Jesus actually rose from the dead three days after his crucifixion. People were stunned to hear what Greenleaf had proven. Not only was he persuaded that Jesus rose from the dead, he also became a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Easter is a real day, a real day in history. And because it is a real day in history, Easter becomes our very best day. In Romans chapter 1, in verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul begins his epistle to the Romans in this way. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul here states that the the, the resurrection is a significant moment in history. And he states that the gospel message, the gospel that, that we proclaim, that Jesus died for our sins and that now through a relationship with him and by placing our trust in him, he restores us, he forgives us by his grace. That gospel message, Paul says, depends upon two truths. The first truth is this, Jesus had a human nature. And in his human nature, his ancestry, his family tree, if you will, his ancestry could be traced all the way back to King David. He was a son of David. And for our purposes, we know that Jesus was a real person in history. The other truth that Paul speaks of here is the fact that his resurrection declared him to be divine, to be the son of God. So he was the son of David, but he was also the son of God. And Paul uses a very interesting word in verse 4. He says that his resurrection was a declaration that he was God. I looked this word up, and in the Greek language, the word uh, is the word for boundary or limits. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus served as a boundary. What does that mean, a boundary? Here's what I think it means. Up until that first Easter morning, that resurrection day, up until that time, people could have legitimately come to the conclusion, the the opinion that Jesus was an unusual man. He was a man and he lived an extraordinary and an unusual life and he did some amazing things. But with his resurrection that Easter morning, his resurrection served as a boundary, a limitation. No longer could anyone ever come to the conclusion that Jesus was simply an ordinary or an extraordinary, unusual human being. No, he was declared by his resurrection to also be the Son of God. The fact of the resurrection 
combined with the filling of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Those two things, the fact of the resurrection and the filling of the Spirit on Pentecost, turned these disciples on fire. Something ignited that day. And as a result of those two things, the apostles went forth preaching a gospel of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In fact, every sermon that is recorded in the book of Acts has as its central theme the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From that first Easter morning, a movement began which has continued to spread for the last two thousand years so that today there are billions of people who understand that Jesus is alive. We could say that this movement called Christianity that started that Easter morning, it's probably the most successful startup in all of history. You see, the apostles declared that Easter is our best day. Why is it? Well, here are some other truths that are dependent upon Easter. Everything the Bible teaches depends upon Easter. Everything that Jesus says about himself depends upon Easter. The entire plan of salvation and the forgiveness of our sins depends upon Easter. The reality of heaven as a real place depends upon Easter. The promise of life after death depends upon Easter. The victory over Satan and the vanquishing of spiritual enemies depends upon Easter. The promise of power to live the Christian life depends upon Easter. That's how important Easter is. It is truly our best day. Pastor Rick Warren and his wife Kay went through a devastating loss several years ago. Their 27-year-old son Matthew committed suicide after years of mental illness and depression. It was about a year after this tragedy had occurred uh, that Rick was asked the question, and this is what he said, I've often been asked, how have you made it? How have you kept going in your pain? He said, I've often replied, the answer is Easter. He continues, you see the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus happened over three days. Friday was the day of suffering and pain and agony. Saturday was the day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter, that Sunday, was the day of hope and joy and victory. And then he continues. And here's the fact of life. You will face three days over and over and over in your lifetime. And when you do, you will find yourself asking, as I did, three fundamental questions. Number one, what do I do in my days of pain? Number two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? And number three, how do I get the days of joy and victory? The answer is Easter. The answer is Easter. We are going through a most unusual time in our lives. And we realize that it's very, very threatening, very fearful. There are people who are, are scared about relatives who have the coronavirus. I think it's important for us to, to lay over this situation the message of Easter. As Rick Ward says, there are days of pain and suffering and agony. There'll be days of, of confusion 
and, and, and misery. But there are also days of hope and victory and joy. The answer is Easter. The answer is Easter. You see, because Easter is a real day, it becomes our best day. But here's something else for us to consider. Easter can be our best day every day. It's not just something that we celebrate one day a year. But Easter is something that we should be mindful of every day. Some of you are thinking right now, is this like the movie Groundhog Day uh, with uh, Bill Murray finding himself repeating the same day over and over and over again? Not so much. Here's what I mean when I say that Easter is an everyday experience for us. First of all, Easter every day means victory. Victory over sin and selfishness in our spiritual lives. So in Romans 6, Paul moves into this section of Scripture that talks about how do we grow? How do we overcome sin? In chapter 6 and verse 1, he asks the question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may increase? And he says, may it never be. May it never be. And so verse 4, he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 9, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, therefore, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He picks up that theme again in chapter 8, beginning with verse 11. He says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Very important for us to understand Paul's tightly woven argument about how a believer can live the victorious, overcoming Christian life. It is to understand, first of all, that in Jesus, if we're in Jesus, if he's become part of our lives, we have died to the old nature, the symbolism of baptism. We've died to the old nature, and now we have been raised up into new life in Christ. And Paul says it's fundamental for you to, be, to embrace these truths if you are going to live as an overcomer. The Spirit of God, lives within you. And so we need to understand that, that Christ offers to us this, this power that, that raised him from the dead is able to give us life and power to live the Christian life. And so Easter every day means beginning the day realizing that I'm dead to the old nature, I'm alive to, in the new nature, and the Spirit of God lives within me and empowers me to live for God this day. Easter every day means victory. Number two, Easter every day also means freshness. Because Jesus is alive, every day that I have with him can be a fresh new adventure. I think of what Jeremiah wrote back in the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning his mercies are new. To think about each day as a fresh day with Christ. I don't know about you, but, but I've had days where they have really been difficult days, really rough days. 
And all I can think as I'm going through the, the difficulties of that day, just to kind of shrug and laugh and say to myself, well, tomorrow's going to be better. Tomorrow's going to be better. I want you to know that, that we can say that with sincerity, with confidence today. Tomorrow will be a better day because we are told that His mercies are new, fresh, available for us every day. Easter every day means to start each day with Him. The freshness of starting over. And thirdly, Easter every day is also a mindset. It's an, an orientation, an, an attitude, a perspective that, that we would have as we begin the day. We would say to ourselves that today I have everything that I need to live a fruitful, fulfilling, victorious, peaceful Christian life. It's a mindset that we, we put on each day as we understand that today is a resurrection day. I'm going to live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. N.T. Wright is a pastor and a scholar. And he tells a story of an archbishop who heard the confessions of three teenage boys. Now, these boys thought that to confess your sins to uh, a, a pastor was simply a joke. And so as each one went into uh, the time uh, with the pastor, each of the boys made up a list of ridiculous, over-the-top sins that they confessed to. But it was all a joke. And of course, the pastor, he realized that they were uh, making a joke. And so he went along with the joke. And so first two boys um, gave their confession and then they ran out of the church laughing as they went thinking they had fooled uh, the pastor. And then it came to the, the third boy. And as the third boy was confessing his sin, uh, the, the pastor sensed something. And as the third boy can finished his list of sins, the pastor said to him, now I want you to do one thing to, to demonstrate your repentance from your sins. And so he said, son, I want you to go to the front of the church. And there in the front of the church, there's a picture of Jesus hanging from the cross. He said, I want you to look into the face of Jesus and I want you to say to him, I know you did that for me but I don't care that much. I want you to say it three times. And so the teenage boy went to the front of the church, found the picture, and he said to Jesus, I know what you did for me, but I don't care that much. He said it the first time, and he said it the second time. But he couldn't say it a third time because his heart broke. And he began to cry. And he realized that he did care very much what Jesus had done for him. You know, in a very real sense, there are so many people today that really don't understand the importance, the significance of Easter. They're like me that day on the hills of San Francisco, not realizing the significance of a parking brake until I was in a crisis. I don't know if you're in a crisis today. Uh, I don't know if you're even stuck today. But I want you to know that Easter is a day that you should stop and consider the significance and the importance of it. It's a real day in history. You can't deny it. It becomes a Christian's very best day. And it can be a very good day for you if you would find in Him the forgiveness of sins, the wonderful grace, goodness, mercy of God poured out upon your life. How great the chasm that lay between us 
high the mountains I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name Into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadow of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ my living home Who could imagine so great a mercy What heart could fathom such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross is spoken I am forgiven The King of kings Calls me his own Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living home, and hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, oh you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name Jesus Christ my living hope and came the morning seal the promise buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning to seal the promise your buried body Begin to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Oh, Jesus, yours is the victory. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope, oh hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death is lost, it's grip on me. Oh, you have broken every chain, and there's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, God, you are my living hope. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your powerful resurrection from the dead. And Lord, because of that powerful day in history, you are alive today. And you still meet people. 
You, you meet people where they're at, wherever they are at, whatever they're doing. And God, I pray that in homes all over uh, uh, this area today, there would be people who would acknowledge that indeed you are alive and that you want to be a part of their lives and their relationships, their families, Lord, their work. You want to be a part of their finances. You want to be a part of the decisions that they make. God, I pray that as they invite you to be a part of their lives, that they would find the joy of having a relationship with you. Thank you for this glorious day, Easter day, our best day. We worship you as the risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.